Welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. We are glad you are taking advantage of this resource. If you would like to find out more information about our church or connect with us, go to cornerstonebv.org. You can also check us out on our Facebook page, at CornerstoneBV. We hope that the message today impacts your life and draws you closer in your walk with Christ. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, worship team. It's always good to gather. Who? Yeah, give them a round of applause. I know they're not cheering for me, so they must be cheering for you. Um, so who was here last week for the barbecue? Who was able to make that? A lot of us, right? That was great, wasn't it? Um, I was not sure how that would go, so we just kind of started off slow, and, uh, um, and a lot of people were here, not just in church, but came just for that. So I think we're looking, we, we're enjoying being able to get together again. So, um, and, uh, <laughs> um, so it, it, it's, uh, just so you know, in a couple of weeks, we're going to... Uh, do that again, not next week, next weekend's Father's Day weekend, but the weekend after that on Saturday after church. So uh, we're also looking for sign-ups to bring stuff or whatever that went out already if you didn't, you didn't see that. So we're in this Colossians uh, new series for the summer, and we started off uh, last week. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to stay in chapter 1, verse 9. And um, you can uh, follow along the screen or your own Bible or the Pew Bible. If you don't own a Bible... Uh, we'd love for you to have one, so take that one in the pew. We'll, we'll refill it, okay? So to get us going today, I have a little bit of a science experiment. I'm nervous because uh, Elaine's here all weekend because she's playing the drums. She's also our custodian part-time along with her other jobs, so uh, anytime I make a mess. So uh, usually it's just one time I have to worry, but here we are. I'll do my best, Elaine. She said it's okay. I said another, uh, any cost, right? Elaine, so that's, you're a living embodiment of that, right? Okay, so as we, this is a really important concept that uh, I want us to understand, I think, as we look at the rest of Paul's prayer in Colossians 1. And, and it's this concept that, that every one of us needs to understand. And so you tonight are represented by one of these funnels, right? Uh, and, and there's a reason for that. Because we need to understand that, that in order for us to have anything for the purpose that God's given us to live as Christians, is it has to come from God. He fills us. And, and so as we, uh, um, as, as we get it through our life, so there we go, Elaine, sorry about that. I'm going to try to block it. So as, as he fills us, though, right, all uh, from God, sometimes we forget the purpose of our life is then all for God. So we are sort of the funnel. As God gives us, and that's, that's not only salvation and redemption, but it's also strength. It's his, his word, his knowledge, his truth, right? And so that is for a purpose, and it's to be funneled through to live a life that's pleasing to God, right? And so here's what happens when we get only one half of the, uh, of the equation, as we, some of us remember, yeah, 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 uh, I, I have nothing, I really have nothing to offer, I need God to help me. And so, you know, we, we, we ask God and, 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 and to give us that, but then we forget that our life, we think, well, we'll take what God gives us and we live it for our own purposes. But that's not it. That's only half. Or the other half of the equation is we forget that it comes from God and we know, yes, I want to live my life for God, but I got to drum it up. Right, I got to figure out, right, what, what, what happens. And this always ends up uh, becoming legalism, right? If, if, I, if I do something, some kind of work or whatever, you know what ends up happening then is we end up empty. 
And so we have to understand in this prayer we're going to see that, that, that we have a responsibility to live for God, but the only way we're going to be able to do that is if God fills us with his knowledge, right, with his wisdom, with his understanding and his strength when we need to, to be patient and endure. So all from God, all for God, and we'll see that together. Let's pray. I'll leave this here. Not too bad of a mess. You know, <laughs> pray for me. Elaine's here today. Lord, we just thank you for, and I do thank you for Elaine and her good nature and her uh, uh, great gifts from drumming to cleaning up after me and, and teaching the kids. And Lord, she's just a representative of so many in our church family that you've given us to use their gifts as part of your body. I pray you bless us tonight. You know where we've been. You know what we need. And it's your word of truth, oh God. I pray that we would learn to live for you, but to also remember, oh God, that we cannot do that unless we depend on you to give us what we need. I pray you would do that even tonight as we pray that your knowledge, your understanding, your will would then filter through our lives this week. It's in Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen, amen. Okay, so... As, as we come to the rest of this prayer, we left off in the middle of it. Paul, remember last week, he gave his greeting. It's kind of normal uh, way. He greeted them, and, and Paul um, uh, is from prison. He's, he's in prison when he writes this letter, and he had a visit from Epaphras, who actually started the Colossian church. Remember that? Uh, Paul didn't even know these people. He wanted to meet them someday, but he'd never met them. And so he gets this report about what's going on. And, 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 and so for the most part, which is why he gave a, such a prayer of thanksgiving, he's uh, really happy with what the gospel fruit that's happening in their lives and in their church. But there's this thing that she hints throughout the letter. He never directly states it, but it's called, scholars have dubbed it since then, the Colossian heresy which we really don't know what exactly that was. That just means false teaching. Something was grabbing their attention to say, that's great that you have the gospel, but you also need to do this. And, and, and so we see even in this prayer, he uses words like filled and, 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 and knowledge, and most likely that, that these people were, were saying, you come over here and do this. We'll give you sort of the next letter, uh, rung on the ladder of spirituality. This has always been the temptation in the church. Like, that's fine that you believe in Jesus, but if you do this, if you do it this way, you'll be even more higher elite Christian. And, and Paul just wants to throw those people out all the time and say, the gospel is enough. Go deeper into that. Go deeper into that. So that, that, that's kind of where we were left off. And then we see this, this prayer, and he says in verse 9, for this reason, right? Again, he had just thanked God for all that gospel fruit. And we had our fruit from last week, right? That All that gospel fruit that's been in your lives. He's saying, for this reason, right, that, that we are, for some reason that's not flipping. Hold on. I'm going to get out of this. flip to a musical song, so we don't want to, well, we might want to sing that again, but. See. There we go. Yay! All right. So verse 9. For this reason, because of all that God's done, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. So this is now going to turn from prayer of thanksgiving to a prayer of intercession. So he's saying, this is what we pray when we pray for you. So what a beautiful thing. Paul says, when we, we just, we're constantly praying for you. 
That alone is a sermon, right? Don't even know these people, but I'm praying for you. So as we go through this text, I want to kind of help us guide through this because Paul can just start going in all different directions, at least it seems to me, and, and, and it is. They do build off each other, but I want to answer a series of questions as we go through it together. And the first then is, okay, we've been praying for you. What is Paul praying for them? What exactly? What's the content of this prayer? What's the model of this prayer? Well, it's a great question. We're going to answer it here. He says, we continually, so there it is, constantly, continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. There's a lot of scholars, because Paul didn't always use that word fill, that he might be kind of playing off those false teachers. Like, you don't need the fullness of anything over there. You already have available to you, if you're a Christian, to everything you need if you'll just ask God for it. Right? And, and the same with that word knowledge. So what is the content of his prayer? What is Paul praying for them? Is that, is that the, the, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, will give them knowledge and wisdom and understanding. And, and so, so that's for a purpose, to know what God's will is, right? To, to understand this is the way God wants me to do life. And so they had, what, was, what did they have? They had their Old Testament, what we know know as the Old Testament scriptures um, uh, at that time. They also had the apostolic teaching that was handed down from Jesus to the apostles, including Paul. And so they had that teaching. They first heard it from Epaphras, who started the, the church, the, the message of the gospel. Now, since, you know, the next few, couple hundred, two, three hundred years, they put it all together, what we now know as the Bible, right? The Old Testament and now the New Testament. The apostolic teaching, the truth of God's word, his will, his knowledge, right? And so, so that's why when I stand up here, I preach from the Bible, not some other book, not some other philosophy. When you go to home groups or Bible studies, you usually center it around the Bible, right? God's knowledge. Well, you memorize scripture because it's God's knowledge. You, you share with each other scripture and, and challenge each other in scripture and constantly going back to the Bible, because that's what we preach and teach. That's what we center around. This is God's will. All right, there's other ways people will hear messages from God. And I'm not saying, if, as long as those line up with this, then I'm on board. Right? But this is the anchor to that. And, and so he's praying that that knowledge will, will be just constantly be growing in them. Be filled with it. You don't need those false teachers, whatever they're saying you need to do. Right? You just need to... Ask God to fill you more with his truth, but also his wisdom and understanding. What's that? Why do we pray for that? Wisdom and understanding is the knowledge that you, that you get, right? And it's one thing to have this here, but now wisdom says, how does this apply to my day-to-day -day life? Right, moment-to-moment -moment life. It's one thing for me to know what God's word says about grief and what it says about God's comfort in that, and God's peace in that, right? It says it in here, knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. It's good for me to know that. But what, what will that do when I'm sitting with a family planning a memorial service because somebody, you know, I've just done a couple this last couple of months where wives lost their husbands of decades, right? And so this is really helpful to know this, but the wisdom is how to apply it. What do I say to them? How do I pray that into their lives? I can know all there is to what this says about marriage, but when I have a broken marriage sitting, sitting in front of me, what do I, where's the wisdom in applying that? Or in my own marriage, right? 
is quoting scripture all the time, right? But how does that, that, that inform my life? And same with you. So, so that, not, that wisdom and understanding is applying it to your life, to your situations. So he, he's praying this for them, right? That they are filled with knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. But that leads us to uh, uh, another question that I want us to ask. Okay, Paul, what is the purpose for this prayer? The content is the knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. But why? Why do we need all of that? Right? And so he tells us, verse 10. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Don't you love how I stress that word? Every way, right? So, so again, that's why I start out with this. So, so yes, wisdom and knowledge and, and understanding, we need that from you, God. But why do we need it? So that we can live a life for God in every way. He gives it to us so we can live it out for him. And so that, that's, you know, going you know, to mean, you know, I've, I've, I've come across professing Christians. Maybe you have too who say, you know what, I don't need all the Bible stuff. I mean, yeah, it's good. I do a devotion. Maybe I get a, a scripture here or there. And, and uh, uh, you, you know, I, I just, I want spiritual experiences and I just want to live out for God. And they mean well. The problem is, is they don't really know what that means. And so often they're living and saying, this is for God. And that's not even his will because they don't have the knowledge from his word. On the other hand, I have run across professing believers who, man, they are full to the brim with doctrine and biblical knowledge, they could quote, I mean, they could quote you from systematic theology textbooks, but they're cranky, stodgy, arrogant, rude, and you don't want to be around them. What's the point? Do you see how one half of the, you need, Paul says, we're praying you have his word, his knowledge, his understanding, his wisdom. Why? So that you might live it out in every way. Every way. You ever, I, I run across this a lot because I'm in church a lot being a pastor and all, and someone will be like, oh, I shouldn't have said that, we're in church. And I'll say, so is it okay for you to say that outside of church? Uh, probably not, right? And it's just a saying, and it's really, if you ever said that, I'm not calling you out. Uh, uh, but we sometimes do think certain places in front of that person in my life or in front of, you know, the, the pastor, I won't say that, but, you know, when I'm with my boys over here, I can say it. No, 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 every way. Okay, it reminds me, I don't know if you remember Rocky too. when Rocky was in the hospital. His wife, Adrian, was uh, uh, real sick because she had a baby, and he was there, and he was not training anymore, and he's in the chapel. And Mickey, his trainer, was there, and he just screamed out at him, and then he's like, I shouldn't have said that in a biblical place like this. I'm like, biblical place? It's a chapel in Philadelphia. I don't think it's biblical, Mickey, but we get what he's saying, right? It's fine in a training room, but not here because it's a chapel. And so Paul doesn't want us to have any divide at all. The idea is, I want you to be able to live it out in every way, right? Wherever you might be, every area of your, of your life. Okay, so then the question is, okay, if my purpose of taking God's knowledge and taking God's wisdom is living it to please him, well, how do I do that? I'm glad you asked, because Paul then gives us four in these next few verses. He says, here's what pleasing God in every way looks like. First, bearing fruit in every, why does he keep using that word? Every good work. 
right? Bearing fruit with every good work. So remember the fruit from last week. So the fruit is gospel fruit. So your understanding of what Christ has done, kind of what, how, how Greg started this off with, right, with, with a dramatic example, and sometimes they're big, dramatic, sometimes they're just little, of, of living out the fruit of the gospel in every area of our life. So it's, it's now, uh, you know, what, what the, am I bearing fruit in my marriage? Am I bearing fruit in pleasing God in my posts on social media? Am I bearing fruit in that text message I sent? Am I bearing fruit in school or on the playing fields or on my campus? Am I bearing fruit uh, at the senior center? Am I bearing fruit when I'm with this group of friends versus that group of friends? Every way and every attitude What's my attitude when I do that? And so he, that's number one. Number two is on that same verse. It's two, growing in the knowledge of God. I love how um, the, 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 you see this circular pattern develop, this, this constant circle. God, fill me with knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. You bear fruit in every way, and then you grow in more knowledge. And then you bear more fruit. That's the way it works. If you've been a Christian a long time, you know this. Hopefully you do. Right? That, that maybe when you first became a believer, you started hearing and reading the Bible, and you're like, wow, this is great. You start serving God. You start bearing fruit. And guess what? As you're doing that, you get even more excited. You, you, you learn from other believers in your lives. You go to, you're getting a Bible study. You learn even more. You grow in knowledge. And then you bear even more fruit. And so it's just this constant pattern. And so... First, you bear fruit in every good work. Second, you grow in the knowledge of God. And the third way that we live out our lives for God is being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. So the third way we live out and please God is endurance and patience. You know what that means, Christians? And I don't think I have to tell you this. Looking around the room, I don't think I have to tell you this, but this is what this means. It's becoming a Christian doesn't make life easy. In fact, in a lot of ways, it's going to make it harder, doesn't it? Because you're not living anti-world. <laughs> and that, that brings some stuff back on you. Whether it's the fallen world and the residue you're dealing with, it means you're, you're going to have to endure, and you are going to need patience, or it could be translated long-suffering, which for some of us is a way better word for it. Patience just feels like, you know, when your kid's kicking the back seat when you're driving. You need patience. That boss at work you've been dealing with for five years, long-suffering, right? Suffer long. That's every good, that's bearing fruit in every good work. That's, that's being able to do that is, is to have patience and endurance. But notice, right, notice that, that this comes from where? That, he, that being strengthened, that's a passive tense. You, Paul's not saying you, right, get up in the morning and go, all right, I'm going to be patient with my boss today. Guess what you're going to do? Not be patient. But if you've asked God to strengthen you, right, to give you patience, and now when he's his usual jerk, right, you are patient. Or you endure persecution or that illness or that season of, of, of struggle that you're in that's inevitable that you can continue to bear good fruit because God has strengthened you. All from God, but then all for God. Fourth, verse 12, and giving joyful thanks to the Father. Joyful 
thanks. A life pleasing to God in every way is even when you're enduring hard, hard times is an attitude. So it's not just about our actions, is it? It's not just about, about what I say and do or post on, on social media or text. Or It's not just about that. Yes, it is, but it's my attitude while I'm doing it. It's my attitude as I'm walking through life is that I have an attitude of joyful thanksgiving. Now, this is why this is radical, and there's only reason that, you, and this is why you need to know it comes from God, is because it's completely anti-world. The world teaches you, be happy. They might use the word joyful, but they're not talking about joy. They're talking about happiness. If your circumstances work out today exactly as you want them to. How many days do that? Like two? A year? Some of you are like, a life, right? <laughs> Right? I mean, and I'm not saying you have all bad days. I'm just saying you wake up and, this, and you were to lay out, this is exactly how I want my day to go. No traffic, no line at the coffee shop, no, right? Like everything works out here. The kids do their homework without yelling at them, blah, blah, blah. Well, however, you lay that out. How often does that happen? Never. <laughs> Never, right? And maybe even once in a great while. So the world would say, there's a couple of days a year you're happy. The rest of the time you're grumbling, complaining, upset, stressed. And guess what happens then? You get angry, and then you get jealous because you go on social media and you watch that Instagram page. You're like, they're happy, even though they're not. And they probably think you're happy because nope, none of us post things that make us look unhappy. We post not our burned food, but our beautiful, you know, concoction that we spent seven hours saying, look, I just whipped this up for the family, right? Everyone's like, you're a way better wife and mom than me. And it's not true. So we see that. We get jealous. We get angry because we're not happy. And Paul says, but that's not the attitude of the Christian. The attitude of the Christian is thankfulness and joy, even in the hard times. Even in the hard times. So he kind of takes another little rabbit trail, I think, anyway. And so another question, okay. So a part of pleasing God is having an attitude of thankfulness and joy. Why? Why do we give joyful thanks? Why are we so different from the world? Because we have struggles. We have hardships. We have things that annoy us and frustrate us. Why should our attitude be any different than the guy down the street who doesn't know Jesus? Well, Paul tells us. He says, giving joyful thanks to the Father, and then he continues it. He says, who has qualified you? If you're a Christian, this is you. To share in the inheritance of his holy people and the kingdom of light. That's one. We'll, we'll continue here and, and finish off his prayer. The kingdom of light. That's Jewish language inheritance, isn't it? They, had, they were promised of God to have this inheritance. It was a physical land. We know as Israel, right? But for the Christian. Your inheritance is an eternal place. And he, and he says it is a place of light. It is a place of all perfect, as, as Peter said, unfading glory. Remember we said last week that three trillion years from now, you'll still be growing in your amazement of this place, of God's presence and God's goodness and God's holiness and purity. It's impossible right now for us to truly grasp it. So he's saying this is why your car broke down. That stinks. No one's saying you should cheer for that, Right? But it doesn't rob you of your joy and thanksgiving because that's in the eternal things. You've been inherited. He has qualified. You didn't qualify you. He qualified you. The cross of Christ qualifies you. Not just to be saved from sin. That's huge. But to actually inherit a kingdom. A kingdom of light. 
And he, and he continues to describe it. He says, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom, that's the kingdom of light, but he describes it, of the son he loves, Jesus King, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's why we have an attitude of joy and thanksgiving. That's why no matter what you're going through, you can live for God with the attitude of joy and thanksgiving because of that. What? Not only do you belong to the kingdom of light, he's rescued you from the domain of darkness. That's language because he then says redeemed, which means you have to buy back. That's language that says you and I, before knowing Christ, before being in Christ, we were in prison in the darkness. Right? We, we actually thought what we were doing was the right thing and the good thing, right? As, as the Bible says, you, you think that, that unrighteous things are righteous and righteous things are unrighteous. That's the domain of darkness. That's where Satan loves to rule and reign and cause all kinds of problems, right? So I, you know, when I even think of my own resume, where I look back, like, like I didn't realize at the time when Christ saved me, but suddenly my filthy talk that I had, the profanity that I used, the lust that was in my life, the, I mean, some of you are like, should he even be the pastor right now? I could go on and on and on. You could stand up and give your resume too. And if you got saved at five and you've been singing, you know, Jesus loves me ever since, praise God. That's by his grace. That's not you. This domain of darkness, just be, be thankful. You are headed for that in slavery. But Christ saved you at an early age. Most of us, that's not our story. We look back and like, wow. Addiction, drugs, alcohol, like all pornography. Right? He, he rescued me from the domain of darkness, ushered me into the kingdom of light, God's son. And he uses that beautiful word, redemption, which is a pretty uncommon Greek word. Not redemption, but the Greek word they translate it in English is redemption. But you do see it sometimes in secular Greek. And almost always, it has an element of paying a ransom. And so there's a ransom demanded to redeem someone's freedom i got to pay us huge cost. So he uses that word for a very good reason. The ransom for your being in the domain of darkness to now the light and the kingdom for all of eternity, the reason you can have thanksgiving and joy is the cross of Jesus Christ and the blood he shed on your behalf and died in your place. That was the ransom demand. He paid it in full. Therefore, you're redeemed and you have your sins forgiven and you are a child of the king, the son of God, the kingdom of light, no longer the domain of darkness. So, okay, I had a bad trip to the dentist yesterday. That's not robbing me of my joy and, and thanksgiving. And by the way, that wasn't me. That was Bob. He went to the dentist, and it wasn't that bad. But you know what I mean. Yeah, there's things in life. They threaten to rob us. They do rob you of your happiness, but not your joy. To please God, he wants our attitudes to be like, yep, that happened. But praise God. I have a, uh, there's a couple in our church who, I won't name them, but he just lost his brother, and they take a, took a trip, and I was texting with him today, and he said, you know, praise God we were able to be here and share the gospel with him, and even in hard times, he's good. That's what we're talking about. That's an attitude of, of thanksgiving and joy, even through tears and grief and hard times. That pleases God, sometimes just enduring with the right attitude, man, God is like, yes, way to go. You're like, I didn't do anything. All I did was just not crumble and do my best to, have, to remember my joy. Yes, keep going. That is pleasing to me, God would say. That's pleasing to me. 
And so I want to wrap it up with, and I kind of crammed a lot on this, these two slides, especially the first one, is in this prayer, we have a couple of categories. It's true for everyone here who's a Christian. And, and, and the first is what God does. And the second is, therefore, what do we do for him? Okay, based on that. So it's kind of a review, but I want you to personalize it in your own life. And I want you to remember first, what does God do for every Christian? Number one, he rescues us from darkness. I gave you my resume. You get, I've, as a pastor, I get the front row seat, and it can get grimy. We have a baptism coming up in a, in, in a few weeks, right? Like you see sometimes those testimonies, the things that God has saved us out of, right? Gambling addictions and pornography and lust and affairs and, and alcohol and hatred and selfish and my career was my identity and on and on and on and on it goes that this is true. You didn't save yourself out of that domain. You didn't say enough of this. I'm going into the light. No, no, no. He did that for you. He did that for you. He does that for you. It's not some spiritual secret where if I do this, God, no, no, no. It is Put your faith in the living Christ, and he will rescue you from the domain of darkness. Second is he gives us an inheritance of light, and third, he brings us into that kingdom, right? The kingdom of light, the kingdom of his son. You're not just rescued from darkness, but he ushers you into the light of God's son by his grace. You are not going to heaven because you only watched G-rated movies your whole life. Right? Or you went to church every time it was, ho- it was open. All right, praise God for that. It doesn't save anyone. His grace saved you. He did it. He found you when you were his enemy. Man, if nothing will give you an attitude of thankfulness and joy, what about that? I was in darkness and deserved to just die there. He ushered me in by his grace. He died in my place. That's what the cross is all about. Number four, God redeems us and forgives us. Forgives us. Forgives us. I said that on purpose for a few times because, man, I run into people all the time. It's like, even Christians, mature Christians, you don't feel forgiven. And I'm just here to tell you, if you're in Christ, the only unforgiveness you feel is you. And maybe you're going to want to start forgiving yourself because God already has. It's paid in full, and he's a just God, and it gets paid for once, and that happened on Calvary. It's done. It's far as from the east to the west. It's deep under the sea. He doesn't see it. He doesn't see it in you. So why do you? Forgiveness. I was reading a story about this. um, these parents. They had an eight-year-old son who had this rare form of cancer, and brought them to the doctors and all of that, and they're going through this process, and the mom calls the doctor one day. She's just in tears. She's, doctor, i got to ask you something. What's the matter? Shall I answer whatever question you got? She said, you know, seven years ago, I left my husband for another man, and I got pregnant, and he wanted, he made me drink something to kill that baby right after I got pregnant, but it didn't work, and so he left me. And I went back to my husband. My husband took me back, and he took in this child as his own and ever since. And now he's eight years old. And, doctor, I've got to ask you, does my son have cancer because of me? And the doctor was like, you know, we will never, ever know what gave your son cancer. That's what a doctor should say, but it didn't help very much. She carried that guilt 
I could be the reason my son is dealing with this and could die. Is there any worse guilt than that? She met the living Jesus Christ in that process. And she heard about the forgiveness of sins because of the cross. It's still so hard for her. So here's what she did. Someone helped her. She went through the Bible, God's knowledge and wisdom, and she highlighted every single verse that talked about the forgiveness of God in Christ. Every single one. And she just read, her, read it to herself over and over and over again. That is seeking God, saying, God, show me. Show me your knowledge and your wisdom that I am forgiven. And that burden slowly but surely came completely off of her. And by the way, that, that son, they found a, a kind of a trial, one of those trials, and it worked. And he was able to invite his doctor over for his wedding one day. So it was a beautiful ending. But an even more beautiful ending was her coming, the mom coming to know the forgiveness of what she may or may not have done or certainly tried to do. So whatever it is that you might have, forgiveness of sins is from God. It's from God. Number five, God gives us everything we need to please him. He gives you wisdom and knowledge. Listen, how often do you ask for it? James says if you lack wisdom, ask for it. He will give it to you. I just read that yesterday. I said, right, duh. And, and, and I tried it almost every prayer, but I don't, and it, it just reminded me. God, overflow me with your wisdom, your knowledge, your truth, your understanding for this situation, for that, for the stuff that I don't even know I'm going to go through yet. Give it to me. He will. Pray for it. That's one of the prayers you know he'll answer. There's a lot of others we're not sure if it's his will. That is, God, I want to see life like you see it. I want to see souls like you see it. I want to see situations like you see it. Ask him. Seek it. He'll give it to you. And sixth, he strengthens us for endurance, patience, and thankfulness. If you're in a hard time, you desperately need help. You need his strength, his endurance. You're not just going to clench your fists and be patient. Say, Lord God, give me the strength to endure this right now. So God does, he does a lot more than us, but in that prayer, we, and this is how we'll close, we also see what we then do for God. We're not just meant to fill up on his gifts and then go live life however we want. We actually have a purpose. And by the way, if that sounds kind of boring, and I don't think it probably does to most of us, but if it does, realize that that's why you're not satisfied. You're trying to live a life pleasing yourself, and that's not your purpose. And whenever someone or something is doing something that's not their purpose, they're not satisfied. It's like a fish on dry land trying to swim. doesn't work. That's what Christians trying to live for themselves in this world end up doing. Flopping around going, I'm not satisfied. Because you're not doing what God's called you to do. Your purpose is this stuff. To please him. And it starts, I mean, obviously starts with prayer. This whole thing is a prayer that Paul's talking about. Right? We pray for God to do this. This passage is a model. Ask for knowledge, wisdom, and strength, and endurance, and patience. And by the way, pray that for each other. Pray for your spouse, your kids, your grandkids, your friends, your other home group. Your, please pray it for me. Like I said last week, if you're, if you're not sure what to pray for, Pastor Jamie, pray for that over and over again. God, give him wisdom and knowledge. Give him patience. Clearly he needs it. Give it to him. Pray for it. Number two, seek his will. Actively seek him. The reason 
we, ought, we will often find ourselves saying something's God's will when it's not. It's because we have not sought his knowledge, his truth. Get back in the word of God. It's why we're here now on a beautiful Saturday evening. You could be doing anything else. This is why you're here listening to this crazy guy up here because, man, God's got words, right? He's got knowledge, and I want it. Give it to me. Remind me. Go to that home group. Go to that Bible study. As they open up, go, right? Get his word. Seek his will. Seek his wisdom. That's what we can do. Three, put his will then into action. Bear good fruit. Here's a good exercise for you to do. Not necessarily right this second. Is break down every category of your life. And that could be your marriage. That could be your kids, grandkids. That could be um, what you spend your money on, time, hobbies, um, ministry, uh, social media, on and on. Your attitude, your job, your sports, your whatever it is. And just... Evaluate it. Am I pleasing God in this? Am I pleasing God in this? How could I please him more? How could I, ple- how could I use God's word more in this? Sometimes we just kind of coast through life saying, yeah, I got to do that more, but it's just nothing specific. Like I can't stand up here and, and give that to every single one of you, but you can do that. You can say, all right, here's my life. God, how do I please you more in this? How do I please you more in this? And you'll find, man, it's a lot simpler. And if you're pleasing him great in that, then keep going. Right? He'll remind you of that. Number four, endure patiently. And number five, give thanks joyfully. Some of us are in a hard season right now. I know that. I know. Whether it's illness or some brokenness in your family or uh, grief, something with your job, something spiritual that you're struggling with an addiction or something. I know. There's seasons represented in here. They're hard. But with an attitude of joy and thanksgiving, remembering the kingdom of light, you can still sing. You can look at the cross and you can sing. You can sing through tears of happiness and you can sing through tears of grief. You can sing, whether right now is a beautiful season. You can sing if it's one of the hardest times in your life. You can sing with joy and thanksgiving because this is not your home. You have the kingdom of God's son that awaits. Look what all he's done, all that he will do, all that he has promised. We can sing. We can have an attitude of thanksgiving and joy no matter what and no matter where. Let's pray. Father, I pray for these men and women who are with us tonight, myself included. Oh God, would you give us right now, even as we're about to sing, that joy and thanksgiving, would you remind us right now the joy of the salvation you've given us? And no matter what is going on in our lives out there, that we might feel the safe beauty of your grace, that we might run to you with joy, knowing the race that's set before us is sometimes hard, but you've got it. You'll give us everything we need. 
I pray for us this week that we would let you, Holy Spirit, evaluate our lives. Where are we not pleasing you? Where can we please you more? And just give us the strength to do it. At work or home or when we're shopping or when we're online or whatever we're doing, give us the strength, the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding, and the reminder of your promises to live for you, to bear good fruit. And, oh, Lord, would you give us endurance? Give us endurance. We're tired at times. Give us the strength we need. Give us the long-suffering in this world that so often fights against you and us that we might rise above it with joy and thanksgiving and say, no, no, it's not tearing us down. We got this because you got this, Lord. We love you. We worship you with thanksgiving and joy. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Let's stand and sing.